All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Community of Faith podcast. My name is Paul Adams. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am joined by Johnny Jones, who is our pastor of missions. And I'm excited. Uh, Some of you may not know this, but uh, we've been praying here at Community of Faith for revival to hit. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about the guests that we have today because revival is already breaking out in Uganda. There are some amazing things that is happening there. And we've got a couple of our mission partners that are in the States right now. We get a chance to talk to them. We do. We have pastors Moses and Sarah Mukisa in the building. Yeah, we're super excited to have you guys here from Worship Harvest Ministries. So now we've had an opportunity to spend some time with you guys and fellowship and get to know what you guys are doing, alluding to what Paul uh, was referring to about the revival taking place around the world. Tell us, you know, or tell our, our friends that are listening, like, who are you and what are you doing? Like, we know who you are, but they want to know who you are. Well, thank you so much, uh, Johnny Jones. My name is Moses Mukisa, and this is Sarah Mukisa. We are pastors at Worship Purpose. Worship Purpose is a church, but we like to call ourselves a movement. We say that we are a movement of the gospel, I like that. discipleship, and mission. Those are the three things we focus on. The gospel, the word of Jesus, the good news, the forgiveness of sins, the renewal of all things that Christ has come to do. But not only that, but also a movement of discipleship. Like one of our mentors, Mike Breen, says, it is important what Jesus did at the cross. It is also important what he did before the cross. He Mm. made disciples because if he had died and resurrected without any disciples, wouldn't be here. Yeah, mm. And we call that the way of Jesus, and we say we are a movement of mission, which is the work of Jesus in the world, mm. the understanding that we don't exist for ourselves as people or as churches, but we exist for the community. So like Ari's uh, hoodie here says, we like to say church begins on Monday, Sunday is garage time. The real church begins when you drive out of the church or building that's when real church begins because you just came in for just a change of oil and oh, tires good. and everything. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called a service. service. Mm. I like that. Now, you were telling us uh, in staff meeting, and you were talking about how during COVID, it accelerated some of those missional groups. Yeah. And maybe you could just explain a little bit, what is a missional group? What does that look like in the context of your guys' ministry and how that's been a way to rapidly grow and see new believers come to Christ? Um, I think that for a lot of people, it would be a new concept, this idea that when I go to church, it's not all about me, but more of that service focus that's outward. Yeah. Do you want to say something about that? So missional communities are mid-sized groups where people come together to fellowship, but most importantly, they go out to do mission. Yeah. So it's not just about us, but it's about everyone else out there and how we can impact their lives and and cause transformation in the community. So we believe that at Worship Harvest, you're not really a part of the church if you're not in a missional community because that's where the real life is, that's where the care is, that's Mm. where the love is, that's where the mission is. In the mid-sized, you know, 20 to 30 people, that's what a missional community is. Yeah. 
So uh, people often ask, what's the difference between a mission or community and a cell group, a small group, a house group, a home group, yeah. a life and, group. or a life group? And we say that primarily churches bring people together in groups for care and fellowship. That's sure. the primary focus. And then later on, they may say, maybe let's do something in the community. Yeah. For the mission or community, you primarily come together for the mission. And the care and the friendship is simply a result mm. of the mission. Mm. But the mission is the primary thing. So it is missional mm. before it is community. community. I like that. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, how would you categorize the success that you guys are having? Or how how would you explain the success that you guys are having? Or are you having any success with these missional groups? Which we know by the numbers you are, so maybe throw out some numbers so that some minds well, can be blown. But they don't know. They yeah, don't know. They so don't know. So let's, let's get those numbers for, for everybody uh, to hear. Well, uh, about uh, in 2020, when uh, COVID came, the church was still organized around missional committees and we're into church planting. And because we said that our locations, which you call campuses here, exist for the purpose of equipping and deploying missional committees. So at that time, we had 15 locations and about 150 missional communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, today, we have 85 locations after about three years, 85 locations and 1,000 239 or 1,239 missional communities. Wow. <laughs> that means that we have that number of small units of impact groups that go out into the community to serve what we call frontiers. That's when they serve uh, in the community different things where their needs, mm -hmm. uh, be it <coughs> areas of financial equipping, mm -hmm. uh, training people in business, mm -hmm be it social things, helping with education, different, you know, families, mm. be it spiritual things, leading people to Christ. Because at Worship Harvest, we say that every missional community should lead one person to Christ a week. Mm. Okay. And so when we shifted to that, we went from leading about 500 people to Christ a year to leading about 500 people to Christ a week. Let's wow. go. Yeah. Because of the missional communities and because yeah. there are many. Yeah. So... <clears throat> So that's how the church scaled up from about 4,000 people to now 25,000 people. And uh, in these 85, like, you know, churches or varying sizes, the average church size of a church at Washburn would be about 300 people. Yeah. And that's both adults and kids. Yeah. And we count kids because our median age in the nation is 16. So half of all Ugandans are below 16. And so in our church, where there are 25,000 people, 10,000 are children. They're in children's church. Mm -hmm. They are below uh, 13. Mm -hmm. And then we have f about 4,000 teenagers and then 11,000 adults. So that's sort of how it is divided and that's how it is working. And so we thank God for what he's doing. We know yeah. it's not us. It's not because we are special in any way. It is God who is at work and we get to see it happen. So something that uh, we had talked about a little bit that was fascinating to me was uh, how your small groups or your missional groups work. Because here, I feel like in the States, it's very much around a curriculum. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that consumer mentality of, hey, we're going to get together. We're going to have some Bible scripture. 
maybe going to pray for each other and that's kind of it. But you had a different philosophy where it wasn't just about the Bible, but it was literally walking, you know, next to somebody through all areas of their lives. I wonder if you could maybe kind of expound on that a little bit about asking them about the finances or asking them about their family and how that works within your groups. Cause I think that's something that's really powerful. I, I could say something. So we believe that discipleship in the missional communities is life on life. Yeah. So all of life. Okay. So if you're married, how is your relationship with your spouse going? If you have children, how are the children? Are you spending enough time with them? Um, finances. Um, what's your debt like? And how are you going to pay it over time? Mm. Um, why are you not working? Why have you been, you know, down on your rent for like three months? Yeah. So all of that and none of that is off limits. So okay. if I'm discipling you, I have permission yeah. to ask you some of those very difficult questions and just make sure that everything is okay. Even spiritually, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying every day? Are you growing yeah. in your spiritual life? Yeah. Yeah, and you know it just comes, but it's just that we 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 read the Bible with religious eyes. But if you read the Gospels, when Jesus preached about the kingdom of God, it it wasn't this other spiritualized religious thing. Right. He talks about forgiveness. Mm. He talked about how to deal with an oppressive uh, governmental system in which they operated. He talked about taxes. He talked about life. He, you know, it was everyday lessons right. and how to bring God into all of life as yeah. opposed to having a dichotomy between spiritual things and carnal or natural things. So it's how does God come into all of life? So that's the approach we use. So instead of saying, here is the curriculum, do this, do that, we say, hey, if you are the one discipling, we know that you're hearing from God, you're reading your Bible. God is speaking to you. So whatever God is speaking to you about, that's yeah. what you share with your disciples. Yeah. And and we always ask ourselves, what is Jesus saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Because we know that in a discipling environment, we teach for obedience, not knowledge. That's now, so we've, we've got used to being taught for knowledge. And yeah. you accumulate yeah. so much knowledge yeah. without asking yourself, what am I doing about what I know? So we always ask those two questions. What is Jesus saying to you? What are you going to do about it? And my assumption is that this probably creates more intimacy within the groups as far as more of a trust between me and the leader because they're involved in every area of my life. Yeah. So this, it probably feels a little bit more personal. I'm guessing that besides seeing people come to Jesus, you're experiencing a lot of growth in individuals as well because there's somebody that's saying, hey, I'm not just going to give you this three-point mm-hmm. you know, thing that came from the top. Mm. Yeah. We're going to get down into every area of your life, and my goal is to help you get better as an overall individual, yes. yeah. not just as a, a Christian. Yeah, Totally. And the way it works, if you are the one discipling, you don't ask the other people without opening up your life. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> if I'm going to ask you about your finances, I'll need to be open to you about my finances. You will need to know if I'm saving money, if, how am I investing, because you have to learn discipling is teaching. Mm-hmm. And it's teaching both by words, but also more importantly by example, mm-hmm. because uh, otherwise people could get the best information online. Just go on YouTube, and there'll be someone teaching you about money or marriage or something. The thing is, mm-hmm. the person teaching you are not seeing them practice it. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if I'm discipling you, you will see, you will come to my home. You will see me with my wife. 
you'll know where I'm investing. You'll see how I behave with my kids, which you will not see from all the podcasts uh, and the YouTube channels you're watching of all the best preachers. You you don't know how they live that out. Right. In discipleship, you get to see. Yes. Because we say there is information, but there is also imitation. imitation. Mm-hmm. So you go from if information to imitation to innovation. Before you can innovate, you need to first imitate. Yeah. You need to know if you are saying, go lead people to Christ, you need to know to see someone do it yep. with you. Mm-hmm. So then you know how to do it. You can add your flavor to it. Maybe your different personalities, different giftings, but you need to have seen someone do it yes. so that then you can go do it. No, I love that. Would you say that part of the reason why you guys are seeing the numbers explode so drastically right now or um, in, in the missional communities? Because I'm trying to figure out, the question that I keep asking myself is, what's, 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 what's so compelling? Why is this working so well? Right, because I think, as Paul even alluded to, here in the states, our, our, I guess, our disposition is, how can we make that work here? How can we do that? And it sounds to me like this is something more organic than it is rote and routine. Yeah, you could say there are many things, but the foundation sure. of all of this is prayer. Mm. Now, the, the problem with prayer is we talk more about it than actually doing it. Mm. <laughs> and that, that was me. I was a pastor. I, w- I would pray, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really prayerful. Mm. Uh, if you pinned me down, my prayer life didn't, be, didn't resemble that of Jesus. Yeah. Now, think about it. Jesus was a very prayerful person. Sometimes he spent nights praying. He disappeared for 40 days praying. Now, if Jesus, who was and is the Son of God, needed to pray that much, <laughs> how much wow. more do we need to, to do, do what he did? <laughs> how much more right. you and I, yeah, yeah, who yeah. were born sinners and we just found God along the way? Yeah. So that's the that's the thing I keep telling all my friends that if you dropped if you took me out of worship service and dropped me in some country and said start a ministry, the first thing I would do. Mm. Yeah, because when you pray, God works. Because this is not a work of man; it is the mm. work of God, and we have to always remember that. So, we discovered very, very realistically that prayer leads the way. So we used to have like prayer meetings once a month at Worship Harvest uh, on a Friday nights. People would come. You have praise and worship, and then when you start leading prayer, after about ten minutes, everyone is bored. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there waiting for someone to say something or a sermon or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we had to kill that culture and started having prayer meetings, long prayer meetings, three-hour prayer meetings, which yeah. is prayer. Like, mm-hmm. you're praying <laughs> for three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Or if you come for a prayer meeting and it's one hour, it's prayer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a prayer meeting where someone is preaching and then you pray for five minutes. So we had to change that. And when we changed that, having prayer... Across all levels, we used to pray on Zoom because we are still in lockdown. Mm. Yeah. And every day, every morning from Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. was prayer time. Wow. And people logged on and prayed and prayed, and then it all just started happening. Mm. When people would go out for evangelism, sometimes they find that even before they start talking to the person, the person is like, tell me about Jesus. Wow. Mm. It it was that miraculous. Mm. So I'm kind of curious, 
how you made that turn. And I think it's refreshing to hear from another pastor um, that, hey, I don't I I wasn't praying necessarily the way that Jesus modeled or at the Mm -hmm. level I should have been Mm -hmm. for what I was believing God to do. And so I know you said, hey, once we made that transition, this thing started to explode. I'm curious for your people, was it the transparency of hearing, oh, my pastor struggles with this and he's now challenging me? Or did it like start with your staff or how did you, you know, because I think about the things that we're praying for here Mm -hmm. and thinking, okay, well, if we're seeing that it started with prayer there and we know that's what we got to do here, how do you make that shift? Hmm. All right, I'll share something small then uh, Ari will add on. So we started following a gentleman called Bishop Doug Heward Mills from Ghana. His church, they have planted fourth, six now 6,000 churches in 94 countries. Wow. Now, I remember we had a dream of planting 1,000 churches, mm. and we had planted 15 churches in 14 years, meaning that we needed mm. to live about 900 years to be able to... <laughs> 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 to do that 1,000. Yeah. You know, even with all the vegetables in the world, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> but when we started following Bishop Doug, and because our ministry has been really about following different people and learning from them and taking practical steps. Sure. When we find something good, we do it. That's what it is at Fresh Purpose. So yeah. we started following Bishop Doug and his teaching radically on prayer. And it was like, if you are not praying one hour, you are not even a Christian. Hey, <laughs> you know, you know, saying how Jesus came and said, what, could you not wait with me one hour? You know, rebuking Peter and the others. And then he went back two times. So he says, for pastors, it is three hours. Then he said, no, 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 no. I need to first become a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Let me start yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. so, so I started sharing that with people, sharing the message with messages with them and telling them, guys, we are doing badly. I'm doing badly. So when I talk about it, that's why even now I'm talking about it because I was a prayerless pastor. Mm. And, you know, when you're a prayerless pastor, you lead a a ministry that doesn't have much of the supernatural going on, be it salvations, people coming to Christ, or miracles. You know, back in Africa, we believe in all that stuff and it works and we've seen it. Yeah. But we were not seeing that on a regular basis. We were not seeing people getting healed. We were not seeing things happening. And then when we started praying and invited the whole church into prayer, everything changed. We started to see people get saved, even on Sunday morning. You know, like you'd make an altar call and no one comes. Yeah. Now, every every week, people walk forward to give their lives to Jesus. It's amazing. And, and so for us, how did we that switch happen? It started by following someone who was already doing it so well, mm. or a ministry that was already doing it so well. So they even have something they call flow prayer in in that church. Every two days a, a week, it's like a long prayer meeting for like four or five hours. So we also started flow prayer. Mm. As it's short, it's three hours. But we were like, whatever it is they are doing, yes. it's working. Yeah, Let, Let's first copy before we innovate. Yes. Mm. So we found a lot of value in copying. So do you answer something? I think the other thing would be teaching because we were this cool church who were not praying. Okay. And so to to make the turn, we had to teach the people about the value of prayer, what prayer does, what happens when you pray. And we say that teaching is the, when you teach people, then they obey. So it's the seed that you plant for obedience. So if your people are not praying, teach them to pray. 
If they are not doing anything, teach them because when you teach them, then they learn to do. So I would say teaching. And the other thing would be giving them opportunity. So we gave opportunity. So we would say 5 to 6 a.m. every day in the week, there'll be this prayer mm. at the different levels in the different locations. Okay. So someone sends a Zoom link, you get on and pray. And it's open to everybody and anybody who wants to do so. So teaching and giving opportunity to pray so that you're doing the, the theory, but also the practical. I like that. I love that. One of the things that you talked about was this idea of modeling or imitating Mm -hmm. other ministries. I'm curious, you know, first and foremost, how, and I think for our audience, it would be helpful to talk about how you guys got connected to us here at Community of Faith Mm -hmm. and what has that relationship brought about in your ministry? Mm -hmm. Wow, so the year was 2007. Seven. And a friend called Claude Nikondeha from Burundi, who is also well-known here at Community of Faith, and his wife Kelly, they had started something called Amahoro Africa. Mm. Yeah. So they were going to, first, to have their very first Amahoro conference in Uganda, and <clears throat> through a mutual friend, he came to us because he needed a worship team to lead worship at the conference. Mm. That's yeah. how we got to know about Claude. And then we bought into the whole Amahor thing. We went to Rwanda in 2008. I think that's where Mark came the first time. Mm-hmm. And then by and by, through Claude, we got connected to Community of Faith. And it's been an amazing journey to just be friends. Uh, you know, the worship harvest, being friends with Community of Faith having your pastors as our friends and mentors because they've been in the ministry a lot longer than us and we can learn from their successes, their mistakes. They are willing to share that with us so that they help us, you know, make better decisions. So it's been an incredible journey for us and just being here. When we come to Community of Faith, we feel like we're coming home. We don't feel like we are going to those guys. <laughs> we, feel like we are coming to yeah. our other family, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Christ. So, yeah, that's how it, it, all, it all began, and we've learned a lot. Yeah. yeah, following community of faith. So, I wanted to ask, kind of along those lines, is you know, um, with the scalability of your ministry, and I think one of the things that fascinated me is how fast you're able to get churches up and off the ground. And I think it was Johnny maybe that was sharing with me that there's an architectural background that you guys kind of have a model where you're able to put up buildings quickly. Yes. It's scalable. Um, and so I know that we, we partner with you guys on some of the building side of things. I just wonder if you could share some of that. I mean, obviously we don't have the visual so that people could see it, but I was fascinated by the idea that you kind of created a model that, Hey, we can go into a community. We can get a structure up so that we can begin having church and then we can scale it, which I think would be the dream of, you know, any church pastor, but maybe you could share a little bit about that, that process and that kind of that journey. Well, so again, for, some years we were building in one place. We were building this one large building with an auditorium, a school, offices, apartments, all of that. 
And so we had been building for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Now, because we were following Bishop Doug, one time I was hearing him, listening to a message he was preaching, was in France, and he said that at that time he had 400 building projects going on at the same time. Wow. wow. I was like, 400? <laughs> and we've been building one for forever. So that's when I made that decision that we are going to start building in our other locations because all our campuses apart from the one where we lead were renting space on Sunday morning. Mm. Mm. So as we started building, we were learning, you know, what works well, what doesn't work. And then we kept on refining it because we built like some big buildings, but we also built a smaller, nimble, movable steel structures. Mm. Uh, we call them 360 because they sit 360 people. And so we eventually sort of died it down to a science where like this structure plus a toilet block plus an office, you know, a, a storage office, ETC, costs about $20,000. Okay. And to buy land in uh, a town in Uganda outside of Kampala, Kampala is very expensive. But some of the other places, like a quarter acre, would cost about anywhere between ten and fifteen thousand dollars. Okay. So we just died it down and said, "We, if I get thirty thousand dollars, can build me a thing." So we started building them. So right now we've built uh, about eight of them, and uh, there are seven hundred and fifty town councils in Uganda, and our dream is to have uh, a three sixty structure, a church on its own property, in each of them. We don't know how it's going to happen, yeah. but we are determined, and we know that God will make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that came out of a lot of trial and, you know, trying things until you sort of die it down and know, okay, now this is what it's going to cost. And you're using the same contractor so they can prefabricate them ahead of time, and yeah. you just keep shipping them to where you need them. Well, and I love that you're saying, you know, hey, we were going on one path, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we got connected with somebody who is doing it better than us yeah. yes. and we're secure enough in who we are as leaders and that we're all a part of one, you know, kingdom, one body yeah. that, hey, we can take where there's success from somebody else and we can apply it to ourselves. I mean, I think that's maybe hard sometimes to understand here in the States because we, we want to, we want to be the best and we want to, we want to hold all of our cards close to us. We want to have all the the answers. And, and I just love that. Uh, it, to me, it's kind of challenging to go, I need to get over myself and look at people who are doing it better and being okay, taking their stuff and yeah. acting it out. Yeah. Do you want to say something about that following? I would, I would say that since the time we started the church, we really didn't know what we were doing. So God, in his mercy, has brought around people who have shown us what to do. Mm. And so we found a lot of speed, a lot of acceleration, a lot of, you know, growth in just coping. You know, someone comes, you hear something they've said, you're like, I think that's really cool. I can try that out. You try it out and then, you know, you double, you triple. So we've found a lot of speed and acceleration in just coping. And I could say maybe five different things that we've copied from five different ministries that have just set us on the path for success. Yeah. I love that. But again, it goes back to your willingness to actually do that. And a lot of leaders aren't. And so I, I think that's incredible. Sorry, Johnny. You were gonna say no, something. no, no. I think, I think it also um, speaks to you guys' humility 
as leaders, which I think you don't see a lot from many of the ministries that we, we witness here in the States. I think it takes a level of humility on your part as the leader to say, we don't know enough about what we're doing, mm-hmm. to t- and you do, and therefore we're wise enough to know that if we borrow these principles, they're going to work for us too. We're not above borrowing principles from other someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, all the cars have steering wheels. Mm. Mm. Yeah, No one said, those guys are doing steering wheels. We have to do something else. They'll have four wheels. Mm. I said, oh, oh, those guys are doing four wheels. We're <laughs> going to do three. <laughs> <laughs> they all have <clears throat> gas pedals. They, so they said, those guys, their gas pedal is on the right. They, they use the right foot. Ours is going to be hand. Do you get what I'm saying? They yeah. all have speedometers and everything uh two rear view mirrors one up here windscreen like who's fooling who <laughs> they just <laughs> they just change the 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 brand right yeah, yeah. yeah they just right. change toyota nissan honda but at the car it's the same thing mm. and you know the guys who make cars they're not broke oh yeah at all so <laughs> Guys are making progress, copying each other. Like one, they, they used to have all these uh, things for winding the, the, the window up. And then one guy came up with one for just pressing. Yeah. And, it goes, goes up. and no one insisted to say, no. For us, <laughs> Before you know it, everyone is for pressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Tesla came up, they started doing electric cars. Now everyone is scrambling to do electric cars. Why mm. is no one saying, we cannot copy those fellows. Ours are going to remain. What You see, people are doing it in the world, and they are making progress, but in the church, hmm. we are too proud. Yep. And that's why we are not making the progress we should be making, because we are not copying what we need to copy. We are trying to innovate. Mm. And when you go into the world, everyone copies. The whole Chinese economy is built on copying things from the U.S., Mm. And doing them over there, and now they're they're huge. Well, and I, so I think this speaks to uh, a bigger point: is what is supposed to be my focus as a believer. Yeah. And so, if the focus is it's about me and my status and how big my platform is mm-hmm. and how much I can consume, then that's where I think you get the mentality of mm-hmm. okay, well, you pushed a button to lift your window. I'm going to keep doing the crank, mm-hmm. and so. You guys had talked about something that was really fascinating, comparing the believer's journey to when the Israelites came out of Egypt. And I was so mind blown by that. I went home and told my wife and, you know, and since you said it's okay for us to borrow principles, is that what you said, Johnny? Or I call it stealing stuff. I want to steal that because that was, I mean, it was an incredible analogy of how we get stuck in one place because we don't understand the mission. And I just wondered if you could maybe, if you guys could break that down. Yeah. So, let's say there are three types of people, all right? I'll start this way and leave you out because you are that side. Let's say there is one here, one here, one there. Now, category A are the people who don't know Christ. Mm -hmm. They are not Christians. They are the majority in the world. The world has 8 billion people, and the majority of them, more than 6 billion, don't know Jesus. Yeah. And in Bible typology, those are people who are in Egypt, in the Old Testament, 
before they sent Moses there in bondage there under Pharaoh. Okay. Yeah. Now, when he went, he got them out, out of Egypt, you know, was a big thing. You know, lots of plagues crossing the Red Sea. Mm. So they are now saved from Pharaoh's influence. So those are the people who are would consider Christians or born again or people for Jesus followers. So let's say that's category B. They are out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. They are no longer under Pharaoh's rule. Mm. They are lovers of God. Yeah. But, you know, they're in category B. Those are the people who have come to Christ. Yeah. Now, there's category C, which mm-hmm. we often don't think about. Because you can come out of Egypt and stay in the wilderness. Yeah. Mm. You have not entered the promised land. Yeah. Mm. Category C are those who made it to the promised land from Egypt, and there were not many. Mm-hmm. So, imagine what is the promised land? The promised land is a place of taking territory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, which Christians are taking territory? Which ones are influencing for the kingdom of God. Yeah. They can say, this town belonged to Satan before I arrived. Mm-hmm. Now it belongs to God. Yep. Yeah. This family belonged to Satan before I moved into their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Now they are followers of God. Mm-hmm. These friends, this classroom, half of them were worshiping idols. When I came to this high school, mm-hmm. half of the class are now Jesus followers. I've taken territory yep. if you're yes. a student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are territory Takers. Those are the people in the land of promise. Wow. Most Christians are hanging out in the wilderness mm. and they think it's the promised land. Yeah, wow. now, there we go. Remember, in the wilderness, things are not as bad as we think they are. Oh. There's free food. Mm-hmm. There was manna and quails and miracles and water coming out of a rock. Everything was so cool. You know, in some ways, I think people prefer the wilderness to the promised land. That's why they even wanted to go back to Egypt. Because in the promised land, Mm -hmm. unlike the wilderness, there is fighting. There is war. It's Mm -hmm. warfare, taking Mm -hmm. territory, dislodging the the occupying forces to bring in the light of Christ. So a lot of Christians, they end up just attending church. Mm -hmm. being They just say, I'm part of the church. You know, like the people who came out of Israel, they were part of Egypt, they were part of Israel, but they were not taking territory. Right. So I think that your life as a Christian is not complete until you become a territory taker. Watch this. What did uh, Moses, God tell Moses to tell Pharaoh? Go tell Pharaoh, Mm -hmm. let my people go that they may serve me. Yeah, that's good. That was it. He didn't say that they may hang out with me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That they may serve me. Mm -hmm. So you may have come to Christ. You're hanging out with God. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so beautiful. This Bible study, the other Bible study, this book, the other book, that podcast, this, that, that. You're you're so full of knowledge Mm -hmm. about things to do with God. Yeah. But until you start serving, Mm -hmm. until you start taking territory, until you start making a difference, you haven't moved into your complete, you know, because that's why they were got out of Egypt, to serve God. Mm. Yeah. In Ephesians, it says, we are, by grace, we are saved through faith, not yeah, of ourselves, just anyone should, but, and then it says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we may do them. So I want to urge everyone on the podcast, everyone listening and watching us, 
don't first of all if you've never given your life to Jesus you should yes right for real yes. yeah it's the greatest opportunity ever given to mankind yeah. now having come to Christ if you have don't just hang around yeah. serve join a team become an active person in the church yes All right. When Israel left Egypt, they called them the armies of God. In other words, they were supposed to be involved in taking territory. So, that sort of that kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe you want to add something. What I would add is you can start where you are. Mm. You can start with serving on a team that is nearest to you. You can start by being a part of a home group, a life group. You can start wherever you are and it doesn't have to be you know going to china or going to japan or something you know that big right. start where you are and then as you you know keep doing that you grow and then you keep growing even in your service and you see your life completely changed when you serve Yeah. And what I love is you're not trying to sell people on something. You mm -hmm. believe this to your core, and that's why the ministry is working so well because it's something that's instilled in the people, which we talked about that, Johnny, is we, we felt like we constantly will say, well, what's your next step? Like, what's the next thing you need to consume or we need to get you involved in or to be a part of? And it wrecked me this idea that, no, after you've received Jesus, the next step is for you to go out and to start serving and taking that territory. Exactly. I mean, for me, mind blown. Yeah. No, definitely mind blown. Well, I, I, with that being said, there's a lot I think you all have emulated well, done well, and seen the fruit of what you've done and how you've believed and had faith in God. Um, I wonder what would your challenge to a community, faith, community of faith be all the way from Uganda? Wow. I'll put it in three, <coughs> three ways or three words or three expressions. The first one is prayer. Mm. It begins with prayer. You know, prayer is for the weak. Prayer is not for the strong. Mm -hmm. <coughs> If you think you're too strong that you can do God's mission, you will not pray. But when you recognize, when you look around and you see the darkness that's, that seeks to engulf us, and how sometimes we feel so weak and so small in the light of these huge cultural challenges, you realize we need to humble ourselves and pray. Mm -hmm. Because when we pray, God will do what only God can do. Look what's happening in America. The revival in Asbury and at, on other university campuses. Mm, yeah. Who knew that? Right. <coughs> Which strategy meeting put that together? No. Nothing, mm -hmm. no one. Right. But every time evil reaches a certain place, God raises a new generation of God seekers wow. and God chasers who change things. So let us get praying. And let's be practical about it. Let's not, not just talk about it. Let's really pray. Yeah. And I know that here at Kof, we are praying. Yes. There is Wednesday night prayer. And so that's one. Two, serve. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do, serve. My experience in ministry is that Only serving people grow. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> Only serving people grow. Sitting people don't grow. They, they experience miracles. They experience God's goodness. Mm -hmm. But they don't grow. Yeah. The only thing that helps you grow is serving. You know, if you support <coughs> a team, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, what are, what's the big football team here in Houston? The Texans. <coughs> Huh? The Texans? Well, I, don't the tex- big, I don't know how big they are, but they exist. Okay. <laughs> the Texans. Or if you support the Houston Rockets, the basketball team. You know, you're not going to become a better basketballer by watching and supporting and watching TV. Oh, that's right. You only become a better basketballer by playing basketball. Got to get in the game, yeah. You don't become a better Christian by watching what happens. You become one by participating in mm. what happens. Mm. So that would be my second challenge. The third is unity. Mm-hmm. It's the devil's trick from the beginning up to now. Yeah. Is to divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Remain united. That's what Jesus prayed for, you know, when he was about to be crucified. That they may be one. That they may be one. Love one another. Be one. You know, unity is very important in the kingdom. Some of the miracles we are seeing back in Uganda, the miracle of worship of us and what God is doing, is because we are united. If each of those people decided to, to say, ah, I now know what to do. I'm my own person. Where are you? you don't tell me what to do. No, you hurt me. You said something wrong. You know, as long as you're working with people, we are all human beings. I am. Look, Johnny, if you stay with me one week, it, it won't be long before I do something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but for us to be friends, you need to have made up your mind that, you know what, this Moses here is a nice guy, but he's a human being. He's mm-hmm. going to mess up. I choose to forgive him in advance mm-hmm. for the sake of the unity of the body. So those three things. Pray, serve, and be one. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Well, I have, um, it has been an honor to meet mm-hmm. you guys. I think this is the, the first time we've met. Mm-hmm. And to be able to spend the past couple of days just hearing from you and learning um, is a big honor for me. And so uh, I just appreciate you all so much for being here and just mm-hmm. taking this time to share with our church mm-hmm. everything that you're doing, but also to impart wisdom. That's a big deal. It's something we don't take lightly. And so we honor you for that and uh, are grateful. Yeah. So thank you guys for coming all the way from Uganda. Just for this podcast, really. Just for to, just to hang out with us. We are super excited. Yeah. Thank you. Your closing words. What would my closing words be? Take the next step. Mm. After listening to all of this, you may want to, you know, say, I, I listened to something that was really good, mm-hmm. but then just take the next step. Do that next thing mm. so that when you next hear about us or hear from us, you're like, I had, I had you speak and I took the next step. Mm-hmm. And this is what I've seen as a result. So take Amen. the next step. Wow. I love that. I love that. Thank you guys for having us on the podcast. It's been a great honor and it's been a great honor meeting with you guys hanging out with you, yeah. eating with you. I will not reveal who ordered what when we went out for lunch, <laughs> but it's all good. It's all and good. You guys are amazing. Yeah. Keep doing what you do. It matters both here and on the other side of the world. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all so much. Hey, before we go, if people want to follow you and see what's going on, mm-hmm. do you have social media? What's the best way to keep up with what's happening at Worship Harvest and through your, your ministries? It's really YouTube, Worship Harvest. Okay. Um, or Twitter, Worship Harvest. Facebook, Worship Harvest. Yeah. Or if they want to follow me on Twitter, Moses Mkisa. Yeah, but it's really the Worship Harvest channels. That's where you'll find 
a lot of teaching, action, and all of that. And our website, uh, worshipharvest.org.org. Yeah. Fantastic. Johnny, you want to close us out? Nope. All right. He said no. He looked at me and said, no, you can't see him looking at me if you're listening. But hey, we're grateful for you uh, joining us today for this conversation. And we hope to do more of these podcasts. So make sure that you're liking and subscribing. And hopefully we'll see you real soon right here at Community of Faith.